0: You're listening to a Skewed Orbit original podcast.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Like, we need to leave around three thirty-ish, maybe even three forty-five, because we got to okay. go to the post office. Then we got to go to the farm to get our oh. farm box. <gasps> that's it's so like exciting, Vermont, Vermont life. But the post office here can it can be a challenge.
0: I went to the post office for the first time in a very long time yesterday. And I was like, how are we still doing this? I was like, it was so slow and inefficient and just sad. I was like, I'm going to leave like crystals in the corner or light an incense or something.
1: Yeah. You should put selenite in all four corners of the post office. I
0: mean, really, I walked in and I was like, oh, no one is happy in this space. Like, I was just like, okay. Um, Well, yes. Okay. Okay.
1: I, go ahead. I, did, I always thought the post office was supposed to be like a good job.
0: Well, I think it is right. They have like government benefits. It's kind of like pretty much secured labor. I don't think Wait, like a lot of people. Happy are.
1: About
0: it? Right. That's what. well, that's, like, what that's what I mean. Job. But, you know, I don't know. Just yeah, I was kind of like doing a little bit of like a mini energy read when I'm in there. I'm like, what's going on with these folks? Like where are they in their life? Where they're like, this going to go to the post office today. Going to work well, a little bit. <laughs>
1: Hence Go the home. vernacular like going postal literally started from the like first mass shooting. Oh my office. god. Oh it's so, too real. I'm brother and
0: Welcome, Remington, to the Rachel LaFleur show. This is so exciting. So for you guys that have been listening and you're like, what are they talking about? We have so much in store for you. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm delightfully um anxious for this conversation in a little bit of ways. Like I just feel like it's gonna be filled with so many gems that I'm really excited to jump in. So today, my guest who needs no introduction, but it'd be weird if I didn't introduce you. Uh please welcome author, podcaster, uh, you know, uh, mystic, magician, father, homesteader.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, um, d-
0: doing all of the things.
1: I am doing all of those things, I guess. Gosh, wow. Author sounds so official. I, I sometimes forget that even though I put that in my bio.
0: Yeah. Well, and you have a new book coming out too. So now you're like a legit author. You've got two books.
1: Oh, wait, you want to say my name now?
0: Oh, yes. Friends, please welcome the wonderful, the mystical, the very funny Remington Donovan.
1: Uh, Rachel, uh, thank you. i have actually I was really looking forward to this when when Gina was on and she had mentioned that you were talking about having me on. I was like, yeah, of course, I'd love to because I just knew we could like go on. And between comedy, mysticism, f- sort of film stuff or writing, whether it's books or or scripts, or comedy, or things like that, so a lot of crossover, plus we just each escaped Los Angeles.
0: I know, it's, it's wild, I've, I've enjoyed, I talked about this with Gina, yeah, just the, um, in some ways, like, parallel living that we have similarly to you guys, we started a family, we moved away, we're, you know, my husband and I worked together, and kind of, like, grounding, all of these things what was the impetus for you guys to move or did you always know you wanted to
1: leave um no I actually both of us never thought we'd leave LA I mean I was so in love with uh the sort of culture our lifestyle um we had uh so many friends and, and like supportive friends not just like LA like yeah let's let's meet up and have lunch and Uh seven years later right you know you're still saying it which is a thing um which is also great when you like someone and you never really want to meet up I just lean into that like yeah yeah definitely yeah we'll we'll get together for Uh real like for real sometime um but I just honestly I just assumed like this was it um we did want to uh we were kind of getting our you know, head on, you know, maybe buying a house, you know, what would it take to buy a house in LA? And I kind of, my attitude was, I know that's fucking expensive and uh, you basically need to be some level of a multimillionaire probably. But um, I just figured if we get square on that, sort of put our projections, see what it would take, you kind of just make it happen in LA. It's It's kind of amazing but really it just came down to COVID and um, the way they handled COVID and I don't think a lot of people around the country know like just what it's like living under that type of restriction, Mm -hmm. that type of enforcement, that type of paranoia, that type of fear uh, and then peaceful protests that happened in our neighborhood where they burned or looted our local stores two blocks from us. Um, But the, that's when we are like, you know, we, we can kind of be anywhere, but really the things that we loved about LA, which was community, friends, spiritual community, and I knew people all over the city, it was great, I'd go anywhere in LA and people would know me, I'd run into people, it felt like home, like no other place, and um, it just came down to, I guess, ultimately, it's like, oh, Gina's pregnant, we're having a baby and we um that was the the really the big catalyst because there was like wait we can live anywhere everything we want to enjoy we still couldn't enjoy at that time because everything was either shut down you know like restaurants were just beginning to open this is after almost two years practically yep you know and uh and so like you go travel to other places in the country and they don't They just don't like get like what you went through unless you like it's New York or something like that. But I think LA was even maybe more shut down. Um, But then we were going over our birth plan. We were meeting, you know, we were meeting with uh, midwives. We had a contingency plan at the hospital. We were really lucky that a really good friend who sort of shares our spiritual values. Heads more, the postpartum department at Cedar Cyanide. Oh, so nice. she really helped to walk through us. So we were like uh getting that square. And then just the policies of everything with COVID was training changing like by the day. So I was like, by the time he's born, who knows? Like we're gonna have to go in there with like hazmat suits and he's gonna be if we had to go to the hospital, it's like delivered behind like an iPad via Zoom meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so that ultimately was like, we don't want our kids seeing us in masks. I know everyone's like, oh, and a ch- child can't see when in the first one. They're completely aware. I mean, you know this, anyone who's had a kid who's somewhat sensitive with would, um, would just know. And then we all signed up, we were in a one bedroom apartment. We were yeah. literally going to give birth while well, Gina's going to give birth, but we were going to do a home birth in a one bedroom apartment in Los Angeles. And we we're going to let our neighbors know if you hear any screaming or
0: anything. Like <laughs> Don't be alarmed. Yeah.
1: But like our upstairs neighbor definitely did like had some sort of porn camera channel. Um, oh, of course. So I'm like, <laughs> if we could hear that going on constantly um I was like i wonder how the births going to go for the rest of the building and so that that was it um i mean i do miss la a lot but also we moved we hightailed it to vermont totally different lifestyle as far as our exterior but um this feels completely like home and now it really feels like the right place yeah why did you leave uh,
0: almost all of those exact same reasons Uh, I think LA is an incredibly harsh place to live. And I think that with all of those restrictions, it just made it harder. It's expensive. It's, um, you know, listen, I've gigged my whole life. It's all I know, you know, even now with owning our own business, it's like, well, technically you're still gigging because you're always looking for clients or you're doing lead generation or you're you know, now it's, I'm okay, I'm going to try this workshop or I'm going to try to put this, you know, I'm putting this thing up. So that element I've always been used to, but then when everything else was restricted, it just, everything felt like noise. And I was like, there's no more benefit to being here. You know?
1: Exactly. It's like everything that you love about the city, like the opportunities, because things happen. There's a magic you literally i have been on like huge like ryan seacrest produced podcasts because a friend of somebody heard of somebody then i they had them as a client and we hit it off and i just said yes and i figured it was a podcast in their basement you know like right everyone. and um then like she sends me all the info and i'm like oh i gotta go to like iHeartRadio, radio <laughs> oh this is like maria lopez ryan seacrest produced show with some you know millions of instagram all that and like, that's just the thing. Like, and not that I was living there for that, but that was part of the magic that I loved. Right. And, um, you know, and, and you just there, it just shut down. Like LA is not the city you want to be at home, Zoom in everything.
0: Well, and I think exactly right where, you know, when you get to go as like an actor, if you're going on an audition or even just like a general meeting and you get to go to the Fox lot that's still the type of magic. It's like, whether I was to book the gig or not, you know, I always say it's like, um, I just got goosebumps. Like the idea of like, that you're in the game, you're in the arena. And that's so much of the experience. And I think so often, especially in LA, everyone's in pursuit of the win, which obviously like we're human, that makes sense, all the things. But I think there's a lot of magic that's lost by not taking in all of the experiences. And so then when it was like, oh, I'm auditioning on zoom in my living room. Oh Wow. You know, and it's like the casting directors are overwhelmed because now they've had to learn how to do all of these things. Like productions slowed for like a minute. That was also the annoying thing where in LA, where it was like, well, if you make the city enough money, we'll figure out how to keep you open, but everybody else has to shut down. And so, which like that just irritates the shit out of me where it's like, no, it's for your health. It's like, What? like oh all these productions keep to keep being able to go and target and home depot can stay open but everybody else has to shut down
1: and, and netflix was able to still produce
0: right oh yeah you know, that's...
1: but like yeah there was a lot of hypocrisy and yeah if you're not like you can't you just can't zoom the magic no. Like a lot of people I, I really staunchly defend LA because there's a stereotype and it's only from people who haven't been there because yeah. I really met the most amazing and supportive people um, and and that's the thing like especially if you're trying to do film but I moved out there to do stand-up comedy and you know that's like my first I started doing comedy right at the comedy store the first time I went there for an open mic they picked my name but also it's like Remington Donovan yeah. and I knew I was like well they'll pick me just to see if I suck or I'm awesome based on that name and if I suck they're going to fucking make fun of me <laughs> um and I was like funny enough I had a couple you know I I got some laughs back in the day um but just it really is a place of opportunity and I like what you said cuz there it, there is an ambition there that I really enjoy And I like that, sure, there's delusional, clueless, crazy people, no doubt. There's people with no talent. Then there's people that are super sensitive with amazing talent, trying really hard. But I like being around ambition. Like, even if it's people trying to sell, like, their vegan greens, you know, drink bottle. Like, they're trying to, like, brand themselves. They're creating something. Like, everybody's creating something. They're either working on a book, they're working on a screenplay, they have a mission, or there's a company that they want to expand. And I like that, that culture and that like taking ideas and trying to turn it into something. And somehow nobody has a job.
0: Well, so I think that's the other side of it, right? Like when you, we can kind of start to shift. But when you talk about like numerology, right? And you're always like, well, this is the positive side of five. Well, keep in mind, there's also a negative side, right? Or I don't even know if you necessarily identify them as negative or positive. But meaning, like, there's two sides to everything. And I, I think, the quote-unquote negative side of LA was what I was just being exposed to more and more, and/or what I was picking up on. I think meaning. It was that way specifically with stand up for me towards the end, where I was like, oh, no one's listening. Like, everybody, I mean, and that's just true of like, you know, most comics, right? You're just waiting to go on. You're like, that's not a knock on them. It's not like pay attention to be, but meaning general audiences in LA, like everybody is there in pursuit of something else, or it's even like who's in the room, what's going on. And so, I'm still rectifying this within myself, but it started to feel this place where I was like, I'm wasting my voice being here because I need to go somewhere where it grounds a little bit more and people are like wanting to listen or wanting to take in something where in LA, because like you said, everybody's got a screenplay. Everybody's got something, everybody's selling something. It kind of becomes a cacophony of noise.
1: Doing, so when I started doing stand up, I was in the Southeast. And I was kind of new to it and it came to me like quickly and I was like, okay, I have And I had a comedy teacher in Virginia. I just decided to take a course. Yeah. And he was like, you, he's like, I can honestly say you have something here and um, that there's a lot of potential, you know, it takes a lot of work, a lot of writing. I don't Mm -hmm. think people realize that. And then I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I lived in Charlottesville and then I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina people mix those up all the time right um I actually know that my friend, super stoner surfer guy from Hawaii booked a flight to go to Charlottesville to meet up with his buddy but he accidentally booked it for Charlotte
0: That's he's like hilarious. Hey man, where
1: are you I'm not there. Or, he's like uh you are like oh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow it's a little tangential there but I did find in the southeast in Charlotte and there was like a there was a few comedy clubs there and there was a lot of working comedians right they weren't famous but they got gigs I knew comedians that actually supported themselves and they'd like do a cruise ship and make money and and those types of things and like corporate events and uh I was with you know I was mostly doing open mics and, and then I was getting asked to do spots but um there was a culture of putting in the work and I would meet with like comedy buddies that I started to befriend. We'd meet up like every Tuesday and we'd go over our material and everyone, and there was like one guy that kind of led the show who was like, he was a full-time comedian and he really encouraged everybody's work ethic. He encouraged everybody to really write, write, write and just sort of get your routine so good that when you're on stage, you share that and then you're so relaxed in it that if there's an opportunity to riff off of it, improv, you know, you can do it. And so I figured, okay. And then I got offered my first paid performances. And then I left for LA because I was working, um, my girlfriend at the time had a documentary that did really well and played in all these film festivals and we wrote a fictional script. So then Hollywood loved her film and then they were reaching out, wondering what she was working on. She's a gladness writing partner. Um, and so there was like some big things in the works. She was like, let's just move to LA. I went out ahead of time, trying to line up just doing some comedy just to, to get in the zone. And then she dumped me via Skype at the time
0: Oh, uh, kind. And it was like, yeah.
1: I'm moving uh, to another country and I'm going to work on another film. So I was like, okay, I staked a lot in all of this, but I was still a part of the project. So, But LA was just where I was supposed to be. But I figured, okay, well, LA, this is where the talent comes to try to do something. And I, immediately, I was like, the low level of comedy that I was doing was so bad. And nobody had that. everyone had some hustle and an idea, but nobody was just like, "Are you're not spending like hours of your day like writing, working material out, trying it. And so I didn't notice it on that low level that, that work ethic, like everyone was just hoping they'd get like picked out of the crowd and be put on like a sitcom as like the side character who's like in every other episode, like the neighbor. You know, um, and there would be people that w- that would happen to.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, and it still does, but it's interesting what you're saying about work ethic. Well, two things. I want to be like, of course, you probably had really good jokes because a you have very strong opinions. And whenever but it's true, like whenever I'm when I'm coaching people and I'm like and they're like, Well, you know, work on this stuff, and like I think it's f- kind of funny, and I'm like, I'm not concerned with you being funny because you wouldn't be here if you weren't. But I I, I like as as a comedian and also like as somebody who would go to watch comedy to see something that's funny, funny is no longer enough because we have the internet. Like the meme is going to get to the joke before I see your take on it, you know, on like the slap of Will Smith. Like we've already gone through every joke possible in 24 hours. So I need something more from you. I need to know how you see the world. I need to know your opinions about the world. And then we can worry about making it funny. And so I think that I did see a lot of that and felt a lot of that, where I was just like, Whoa. not like I'm wasting my talent by being around all these people, <laughs> you know, not me, like not that necessarily, but it was where I was like, I think I need to go somewhere else to ground what it is that I want to do. And also where, you know, in in a lot of respects, like, did I accomplish all the things I thought I was going to when I moved to LA? No. Did I leave LA with enough information and enough on my resume of what I did to be able to do what I want to do next? 100%. So it was also kind of like making that shift in my own mindset of like, okay, what do I really want to say? And what do I really want to do with my comedy? And that was the other great thing that COVID provided us, which was, oh, I don't have to be in L. I mean, there's certainly certain jobs where you still need to be there, and and you know, I'm not being naive to all of that. But when I started to look around at like some of the comics that I thought were doing the best work, you know, they were working all the time, but they lived in Idaho or you know, North Carolina or whatever, and they built up a following on their Instagram and then you know, or social media or whatever, and then they could go and tour all over. And I'm like, well, touring is all I ultimately want to do, so like. I don't need to be, you know, in this place specifically anymore. Um, but I just share that because that was kind of a a lot of the flip of the switch, too, where it was like, oh, I think we can, like, endow ourselves to trust in what we're doing that we can leave and we'll be okay. Because I also never thought I would leave L.A.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some magic. There's an undeniable magic. And I always felt really hopeful there. Mm. Um and people always say, I think the, the line is like, oh, you can, you come to LA and you can reinvent yourself. But I think it's hard of hearts. You can come, that's a city where you can let go of everything and actually become yourself. Mm. And it may open up in a different way. Like my ego is like, okay, comedy, what I really um, wanted to learn and where I really wanted to open up doors was like, I wanted to be in a writer's room for a comedy show because I loved like, the collaborative ideas of just coming up with like this scenario, this story. Um, I, I met, there was like a really big writer who worked on one of the biggest shows, really loved the project that I was doing. And he was like at NPC and, um, you know, he's, he's worked on some of the biggest shows, like, you know, half hour uh, comedies that you've ever heard of, one of which is Friends. Um, so it's like, he was like a skilled, He knew how to be in a room. He was kind of also, like, this was like 2000, well, 10 was when this sort of thing started to open up in that way. And I moved out there in like 2011. Um, And um, the thing is, like, so much has changed since then. But even from when he was like, you know, rock star in in the 90s, at that point, things were starting to shift. The idea of what was funny. There was a big voice for like in a big room for like indie voices and yeah. we had met with like it was like right out of the movie we we're going to caa which is like the big everyone calls it the death star of of the you know agencies and stuff and we we're meeting with an agent this is like my first couple of days in la and we're sitting there like waiting to be taken up like, her assistant comes down, like, decked out, the assistant's, like, in a, you know, Prada suit, is, like, you know, model, good looking, hot, and he takes us up, they're offering us espresso, sparkling water, I'm, like, oh, man, I've, like, made it, I've made it, and uh, she just, like, assessed us, looked at us, and she was, like, oh, I I love it, because I had, like, You know, black leather boots on, jeans, and like we looked like we were from a, like we were coming from Virginia, and that's its own, that she's like, we're like authentic voices. Um, And, but since, and I'm going back to your point, I think since that time, like a little about 10 ish plus years, like the opportunity now to just work outside of the system. To create your own material, to create content that you're not, you don't have to get picked up by a show, you know. And for me, a lot of what I leaned into and what really evolved was all of the the spiritual stuff, which has been my whole life. And I was able to draw on some of my performing experience, which was small, and just like teaching in a way is performing, and I'm up in front of people. And so that's where it all opened up. And that's where I became myself even more. But with something as niche as numerology, astrology, tarot, et cetera, like you just have, we all have our own platform now. And if you're going to create, like, so we don't, I don't need like Goop to like pick me up for like, you know, a a Netflix show about doing astrology charts or something like that. Like all of that even seems dated and boring
0: Well, and that's funny because uh, my husband always likes to remind me, he's like, you're a lot snobbier than you think you are, by the way. He's like, you got a lot of opinions, (laughs) but I feel that way too. And I don't know if it's, I'm like, well, remember I have been working within entertainment, you know, and even professionally for well over a decade and certainly have been doing this for 15 plus years. And I feel that way too, where I'm like, we aren't we're starting to, and there are places in which, like, we are seeing new voices, there are new things coming out, but it's far and few between. And that's why we have all these remakes, and we have a million, you know, superpower, superhero movies, superpower, superhero movies, and all of these things. And I'm like, the internet has also done that to us, where it's like, well, this thing got traction. So I guess this is what everybody wants to watch and there's certainly something to that, but I think I also had to get out of LA because I was like, I'm just bored. I'm bored by the things that I'm like being asked to go audition for. I'm, you know, waiting all night long to get up to do my thing. And then I'm like, I I just, I mean, spirituality knocked open a lot of that for me. Um, because so I got sober and 2018 and went through this like wild metamorphosis of like I was on stage and I would tell my jokes but I was like it was almost like my jokes were happening up here and I was standing back here like I was like oh I don't believe any of that anymore I don't believe any of that to be true I don't want to believe those things about myself anymore and so I was just kind of like mediocre for a while because I was like what Sobriety. is happening
1: will
0: do that. yeah like I was just like I don't you know because it does it completely at least for me it reframed everything and it really brought me back to myself like I really resonated with what you said where you're like LA I think really brings you to who you are and I think that's some of the grief of leaving LA for me where you know it's like i lost myself so much along the way and then la also broke me in the most beautiful way that brought me back to myself and in order to like honor that growth like i had to trust that it was time to leave and you know it probably took me 2 years to like finally work up the courage of like okay this you're yeah you're supposed to go like you got to just get out and and trust yourself um but I've got to share this really quick. So it's a little fangirly. So bear with me. Okay. But that's what's so cool because I I love when you're talking about performance gave you this element to be able to teach. And, you know, where like being able to have you on my podcast right now is like the definition of a manifestation come true. Because I remember it was 2019 and you were doing uh, that's a retrograde. And you were talking about the numerology for 2020 and, you know, so I'd been sober about a year and a half and, you know, kind of like rebuilding things in my life. And I'm driving to my subpar bartending job in Santa Monica, listening to this podcast. And it, I was so appreciative, not only just of that, of what you all three of you were sharing at that time, But I was like, oh, here's this guy. And I didn't know you yet. Or like, I mean, I wasn't even familiar with your work. So I was just hearing your voice. And I'm like, this dude is awesome because I felt like so much of a spiritual community is like, we all talk like this. And we all, we all, and it's still where I'm like, okay, this is just another form of comedy where everybody's saying the same thing. Like we've just, I've just shifted the lens now. And I'm like, and then here's this guy who's like kind of talking shit. Which I like it, you know, like you're really letting us know, kind of, you know, we're just like, hey, this is my offering. This, this, is how I view. These are the the teachings that I have been endowed with. These are the things that I'm learning, and so it would just really shifted and kind of opened this space for me where I was like, oh, maybe I really can step into and kind of figure out what this spiritual speaking is, and it doesn't have to be conscious. like. Yeah. And it doesn't have, like, there is an element of groundedness and also really finding a way to be spiritually aligned and live in that way. And what does that mean for you? Um, So I just needed to share that with you because it really was such a, you know, and then of course I, you know, uh, found you on Instagram and all those things. And so that was funny. And then like physically seeing you and I was like, oh, I was like, this man is like a lion. He's like just like this physical, like, you know, just real presence. Um, but again, that duality of, you know, just kind of telling the truth, I felt like in a lot of ways. But then it made sense to me once I kind of learned, like, oh, you also have had like your own history with drugs and alcohol. You also were in comedy. You're all like, I was like, oh, there's also all these other parts coming forward where like, of course, he's able to share all of these spiritual but also kind of like funny like brass tacks points of view
1: well i'm gonna take i love hearing that in the most humble way and i couldn't agree more i also find like most of the world of like consciousness and spirituality uh especially in la because that's a whole other scene right there's like the people hustling trying to get parts trying to get a gig whether it's writing whether it's you know uh you know getting in a commercial or a show but there's this whole scene of like spiritual spirituality slash spiritual hustlers and it's like the consciousness world and like i don't even other than some of my like hardcore like group of like really close friends that are like in it that are also teachers um even though i'm completely in that world it's like delusionally um It's just clueless. It's boring. Everyone will talk like that. And so my, in my head, I just call it like consciousness realm, like where everyone's conscious and like everyone's doing something conscious and everyone's got a fucking full moon pussy circle, something like, and it's a thing and everybody's manifesting. And, um, I don't, I'm not as like interested in that. Um, I also you know I grew up with this stuff and then I really was taught so much like in secret and then I had my own trials and tribulations drugs and alcohol um but the people that I know that are like really good teachers are are also they were taught like we live on planet earth right like and where we can like create these worldly things like all of it's part of our spirituality and that's so much of of the magical teachings. And my teacher was very like grounded and you know can move things in planet earth and just wasn't like, oh, let's just go to some type of monastery, whether it's sort of an ideal of like a space where you're just drifting off into the ethers. That's right. kind of a lot of what I grew up with. Everyone was like, Ariel. And they were very peaceful and very sweet and very loving. That's the kind of lifestyle you need to only live in an ashram. Yeah, surrounded by trees, and you you know, and that might be like a worthy, noble experience for some time. And I think each person has their own spiritual journey to sort out. But mine definitely involves being in the world, and I just like that I was then exposed later in life to other paths where you can be just as devoutly sort of. Uh, spiritual, if you will, have those practices, but still move through time and space and earth and like try to create success for yourself. That was like my hardest challenge was like, you know, coming into a place of making money, doing all of that. I also didn't really think anything that I do do now was like really a, a viable job. Like, yeah. that's what's, like, where I, in Charlotte, North Carolina, it wasn't a marketable skill set, um, but in LA, I learned that it was a marketable skill set, and being a mystic, and it all just grew, like, word of mouth, and so, and that's, like, when I first got clean or sober, clean sober, um, I totally stopped doing comedy. I did a show after about a month, And my buddy owns a little club in Culver City called the Fanatic Salon. It's like a little theater. And he's a great guy. And he was like, dude, you you have some good jokes. Like, come, like, he was hosting some open mics. And he was also trying to create a supportive environment to help, you know, guide people and find their talent and their voice, if you will. And um, I just did that one show. (laughs) I was just like, I am done for now at least with stand-up um I don't know like I didn't know where I was at in my life and all I knew is I just needed to take a break and feel like to realign and and get capture my soul again
0: and
1: um you know so I just I just sort of gave up not in a defeated way just in a I need some space I don't know what the hell I'm doing so I didn't do stand-up ever again um, and then I sort of just gave up, you know. I had like when you go to LA and you're new to all of it, and you have like a television show in the works and NBC is like, yes, and you got a guy who's a showrunner up there, an experienced writer, and nice, like really great guy. That like a huge producer comes in who produced some of the most legendary TV shows and the most legendary movies you'll ever uh, see in your life. Like he, cre- he created things that are historic now. And, um, so you're like, oh, I, I got like, this is an end. Yeah. and then you learn, oh, a lot of things never happen. Like anyone listening, if you're not familiar, you have no idea how many great things with the biggest and most powerful people just never, you'll, they'll never see the light of day. Yeah. And so I just, I was like, okay, let go of that. Right, because I was also so poor for a while that I was like, oh, well, if this show becomes a thing and then oh, I've made it, right? Like everyone wants the big, I've made it. They, you want the big score. And I got out of that big, do you ever watch Trailer Park Boys?
0: I Yeah, I know of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, they had a whole philosophy, like never try to go for the big score. Yeah. Because then you get greedy and then you get caught right and they're in the lens of crime and then their big score is like this gumball it's like total ridiculous they stole the gumball machine that's like the size of a small pickup yeah and like all the quarters in it um and of course they get busted but that's what I felt like like I was waiting for some fantasy of this big score like if a big show got picked up yeah so getting clean and just saying all right I'm gonna take some time for my soul that's when I discovered yoga that I really resonated with. And that's where I got back to my roots. And yeah. I just took a little time. But like after two years of that, it just, the things that happened in LA, like my what the person that became my closest friend socially is huge in the cartoon world. And he was like, dude, I'm, I'm actually able to pitch some stories. You should write something. And he was working on one of the Lego movies at the time. And he'd worked on a lot of the Lego movies that they were doing, the martial arts one. So I, with him, we created a story and then he was able to take it and boom, it got picked up. And they're like, we're Warner Brothers is, is turning your idea into a film and it's going to be shown. And I was like, oh, okay. Like once I let go of it all, something sort of big opened up. So I was like, maybe there's, maybe I do have some talent. Um, Maybe it was like a fluke. I didn't push too much Hollywood writing after that. I finally optioned this one show. Um, But no matter what, even this little cartoon thing in my, like, I still feel like sort of validated, if you will, because I'm like, well, I still, I, I did something. I got to go to the movies and see my name. like next to other big names and it played in four thousand theaters around the world and sure was it a cartoon yeah and you know was it a uh, like a short yeah but it still is like you know warner brothers major studio big credit um although for writing a short you get like a partial like
0: right right
1: enough credit to like get in the writer's skill i'd have to write like five of those or something But, um, you know, it got paid a little bit. um, But that, like, that did that, in a most humble way, that validation, more to, like, being dedicated to taking some time to my spiritual evolution and just, Mm -hmm. if you will, on some level finding myself, like, I was just doing things right in front of me and seeing what opened up. But anything that opened up, I did it. Like, I still had to write the piece, right? and so that was cool. Like, it was cool to be able to like get that little check. And then even then, like, I'm like Instacarting, I'm like delivering grocers. Cause you don't get, a lot of people don't realize you don't even get paid on this stuff for like a year, you know? Well, I,
0: it's that. And it's also, you know, I think the element of what you're talking about of like the next big thing, I'm going to get the big thing. This is probably not true for everyone. But it certainly was my experience where it does create that level of delusion, meaning where I was like, I also was very poor. And I'm like, this also isn't sustainable. But I, so much energy was going towards this almost like gripping, you know, of the steering wheel, like this has to happen because if it doesn't. And some of that I'm still rectifying within myself too of like, what is it that outside, need for other people to see you like how do you give that back to yourself which like I hate so much but obviously like I've had a lot of time to think about it and that's kind of the only way to like you know figure out what's going on with that but and I feel similarly we're like you know I left I was able to do a movie I did a couple pilots for HBO I did a couple like you know I've an okay resume for being there for a short amount of time and a time where we weren't really looking for funny white women like it just wasn't the timing of what was hot just didn't line up with what I was there to offer at the time. You know, my joke is always like I would go into read for something and then they would book busy Phillips or Casey Wilson. Like that was always like, if there was one funny white woman in the office, like who did that go to? Um, And maybe, you know, it's one of those things like, I don't know, if I was in a different headspace, maybe I would have, you know, whatever. But the answer is like, I'm here now you know, I'm here now. And What do I want to create now? And what do I want that to look like? Um, you know, and similarly where it's like, you know, my husband and I were just like breaking a, a story for like a documentary we want to make and like, you know, kind of doing that thing of like, who do we need to reach out to? Like, who do we know? You know, so a lot of that is still, you know, in me and, uh, you know, I got to pitch a bunch of stuff to Comedy Central, like, all of that stuff, like I said, you get to take with you to whatever, like the next thing is. But I definitely feel that where it's like, okay, well now I got like this thing, but then I'm still, you know, like at what, like driving to Santa Monica to bartend or, you know, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I'm Instacarting and I see like Ninjago Lego toys at like a house in Beverly Hills that I'm like delivering groceries to. Yep. And I'm like, they probably are gonna go watch the damn thing I wrote and I'm Instacarting for like, you know, on a good day, 25 bucks an hour. And, which was level up from where I was at. Um, But, you know, one of the, the blessings though, of having that open up, like being like, even going to the, I didn't really have to go into a writer's room, but I did go to like, you know, the offices where all these things are created met with like the director was like a, I actually really liked him um and then going to the screening um where uh, like this the screening on the lot for all everyone who worked on the project so mm-hmm. it's like they have that huge movie theater for that and it was just cool being that like in the urinal and someone's like, oh what did you do and I'm like I wrote it right and I just yeah. felt like that's like the ultimate this came out of Right, it's like super Scorpio, like behind the scenes manipulating everything. That's what writing felt like, but also like having pitched a few things, meeting some quote heavy hitters. If anything, you use that that you're like, oh, I feel comfortable, and I feel comfortable sort of in the room, if you will. And I was able to take that into other experiences in my life, and then it took me a while to have confidence in what I do now. Yeah, and but that like that little movie thing it did it helped it it helped with my confidence and it helped me realize there's something here there's something in my energy field people are I can make a call and pitch something and that's how I got this one other thing optioned and um but like when you go through life and my other interactions you're like oh yeah I've been in this room Mm -hmm. right like even meeting Gina where she's worked with like all of these like mega a-listers in her old job and it's like okay you're just used to being around that and around whether it's like literally Madonna, Lady Gaga, Bono like I'm like fangirling like tell me more Gina like yeah like (laughs) and I'm not even that into YouTube but he sounds like a great guy um but the it took me a bit to do the thing that I love absolutely the most and that's what I came to terms with and I learned media in LA like I learned like okay in LA you can learn they say in yoga they're like LA is the throat chakra of the world yeah and so you're gonna learn how to build a social media account you're gonna have an opportunity to be interviewed on some big things if you're good at what you do like things will things can open up um enough where now I get like I I get book deals with like a real publisher you know yeah um that distribute my books and I'm going to pitch another one once my main editor comes back and um and I kind of have this great open door uh but I've always loved spirituality I've dedicated my whole life to like esoteric studies that somehow all of the experience in LA opened up for me to learn how to turn that into a business. Uh, because you to support myself. I don't do it for the business, like I do it because I love it, but you have to learn how to take all those things and how do you monetize your skill sets? I learned how to do that in LA. And I don't think that like there's a culture in any other places that I've been that like help you do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a place that is trial by fire. And I think, actually, I think people who are super unconscious in the actual literal, like, you know, definition of the word, like people who are unconscious and people who, of like slight personality disorders actually do really well in LA because you do
1: disorders huge (laughs) you know
0: you have to you do have to be slightly delusional you do you just do and in a way I think you know there was a lot of that confidence stuff with me because I'm like well you know well I don't know I mean like am I good enough like all which is weird because like talent wise, I've always been like, Oh yeah, I know I'm like hilarious. They're not like, I just, there's just, just a fact. I know I'm just a funny person, but then it was like, okay, but now you're in a place where everybody's funny. Like what else do you have? You know? And, but it's interesting when you talk about these mega celebrities and all that and the more opportunities and work I got to do and people I got to be on set with and you do where it's like, Oh, everybody's kind of boring and everybody's kind of faking it. And I think that was actually my biggest takeaway now with like, building my own business, still taking meetings and stuff with people, you know, as there's other stuff that we're pitching or working on and things like that, where it's like, oh, if I remember that, that like everybody's bullshitting just a little bit, like it's okay. It's kind of, it's kind of the, imagine everybody in the audience is naked. Like for me, it's like, oh yeah, just kind of remember that like everybody's here bullshitting each other a little bit, you know? And
1: And insecure as fuck.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, I think that was also a lot of why I needed to leave. Like I needed to get super grounded on like, what are my opinions? What do I want to create? Uh, what opportunities do I want to create for myself? And then thus being able to create opportunities for other people, because I think, and not that I'm like the super virtuous person, but it was also a lot where I'm like, I don't want to give opportunities to assholes. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. And there's a lot of that happening in comedy. And not that everybody has to be like a really good person or anything like that, but just meaning like, you know, if I'm going to be working towards creating a, you know, essentially like a media network in a sense, however long that takes for it to really, really be viable. But it's like, I'll be creating the opportunity to create jobs for other people and opportunities for other people to share their voices. And I think I needed for me to get out and hone my own, voice because balancing this voice of these two lenses of comedy so it's like I always see the first joke and then also the second lens which is like what is the spiritual take what's the alignment here what's to be learned and then how to like fuse those together so it's kind of what you're saying of like you had to take a step back to really align with your soul and I think that's at least creatively a lot where I am of like okay How am I going to put both of these things together? Because it is the most pure and passionate part of me. And I think it's when I really do my best work. Like I spent so much of my career being like, oh yeah, I can be this person. I can be this person. I can do this. I can do this voice. You know, you want French Canadian? I can do that. Like that's so much of the game to where I never actually learned what it is that I do uniquely to me. If that yeah, makes that's sense. That's
1: really, that makes a million percent sense because I can only imagine like acting, like acting seems like the hardest thing in the universe to me. <laughs> and I, like, I took like a, I, I took, I started taking acting classes more as a process of self-discovery. And then I had a friend with Tara Wegan, she's like, you gotta do it. And I was like, I'll give it a shot. And it was also from where I was at that time financially, it was a little stretched the limits, uh, financially for me yeah and when I look back at it now I'm like oh that was a really good deal for like 300 bucks a month and what this teacher gave and she's like a, she's like a Sharon Chatton she's one of these legends she coaches like you hear about she'll just tell you like oh such and such one like what she's telling me she was coaching Will Ferrell in um that six degrees of separation where it was mm. the first time he came out like oh he actually has can act real, yeah like act and then um she told me why he didn't win the Oscar for that. And I she, I learned so many life lessons from her because, and it was because the, the director just sort of stereotyped his character as just a, a dirty street sort of scumbag. And she's like, once you sort of stereotype a blue collar, a Southerner, or a rich person, you've lost that this person's a human with their own experience and you're never going to win. And um, she had so much wisdom, but that was the most intimidating and to me hardest thing of all time. Stand-up comedy, I wrote this material, I can get up there. And I think you have the greatest point. You have to have a fucking point of view. And a lot of people don't understand that comedy, and that was like the first thing I learned was, here's the formula of of a joke, if you will. You You have a point of view, you have a perspective, And you have to prove that point of view and the way you prove it that works out as the punchline, you know and so you're coming in like you need to be opinionated like and you realize as you like podcasting or speaking in public or creating things that people are going to consume to listen to you 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 have to have a point of view i have a point of view that's why i get book deals and um That's where, like, Gina and I get into, like, arguments behind the scenes, like, because I just wanted to do this podcast for a while, and finally I was like, I'm just going to do it, Gina, you're hopping on, and just, like, at least be supportive so it's, like, a sounding board. Right. Um, But Gina's, like, we're we're different personalities. Yeah. She's, like, very energetically supportive. She has points of view, but I'm going to convey it in speaking and public speaking. She's like less like forceful, or that's not how she's gonna do it. She's like artsy and dreamy and creative in these other ways. Um, and and that's it. I think when I came to LA and saw comedians, I'm like, what are you even saying? You're just like trying to be the idiot putting a lampshade on your head at the office party. Well, like, and that's, a, that's you're not you don't have a point of view, you're not saying it.
0: You're not saying anything. And I think that that was so much of it where And some people are charming enough and they've got enough of the things that we need or they become the popular comedian at the time or whatever, and that does happen. But the percentage of that that happens is very small versus, you know, and and some of the folks that I've seen that have, um, you know, recently gotten like a first HBO special or whatever, it's like, they've worked for 15 plus years to be able to obtain this thing. And it has been hard work. And those people, I always like, there's been a lot of people I've, like, unfollowed or muted that, like, I kind of knew in the scene or whatever. But there are those people where I'm, like, because when you talk about being around that energy, I'm, like, those people worked their motherfucking ass off for that thing. And yeah. and and that means that they failed. And that means that they tried again. And a lot of them are, like, kind of have weird, quirky voices and whatever. But it's, like, but they believed in themselves. And it's, like, that's that is the energy that, like, I still always want to just almost bathe in is that that ability to be like all I have is my human experience and this is what I'm here to share and whatever medium that is and I think because that's also what lands for me as far as entertainment creativity and spiritual experience tell me about your experience as a human and I think there's just so much like beauty tutorials and, like, you know, just bullshit That's people. That's
1: my next phase, Well, <laughs>
0: listen, you've slimming, got great hair. Slimming
1: outfits for men, uh, for dad bods. <laughs> you're just going
0: to make all those, like, cut-to videos. It's like, this is a casual outfit. Then you jump and you're like, this is a dad on a
1: night out. Exactly. Well, That's the, so funny. Acting, to me, though, was another level of challenge because you don't get to share your point of view. No. And what I learned, I was like, oh, so acting... At that level, comes down to learning to be so comfortable with who you are. Yeah, and then you share those lines. But the hardest part was me, like sharing uh, like other people's lines. And um, I don't know. I have like people. I don't think people realize even someone like usually acting on a sitcom like there's some talent there. And then I couldn't imagine like moving on cue. I was like, oh, acting's not the thing I want to do, but I love that teacher. She just was like a wise woman yeah. who happened to teach deep spirituality, just happened to be about acting. Well, and-, and I
0: I think there is something to acting that is deeply human. And I always say, you know, everyone's like, we're just spiritual beings having a human experience. And I always flip it. I'm like, I think being human is a highly spiritual experience. If we choose to see it that way, I think that we have the opportunity, like you were talking about, like making money, creating prosperity from your gifts is the most spiritual human thing we're here to do because we each have these unique gifts in a variety of ways, whether we've, you know, earned them through our life or, you know, breaking generational trauma or existing in that, tra- whatever it is being able to share your gifts and then create more opportunity for yourself and other people. That is a highly, highly spiritual thing. I think.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. And that's in a way, like a lot of the sessions that I do with people and I'm looking through these lens of visions and astrology and numerology and tarot and whatnot. Those are just the tools that I love. Those are spiritual tools to me that connect to a tradition. Um, But Uh, most of it usually comes down to where are you directing, like looking at someone's sort of highest potential. And it so often comes down to like the way that that gets monetized. Not everybody, um, and I certainly, you know, I know people that they're like, the job's a job, they're fine with that, and they're super into that. It just supports the other things that they do in their life, it's not a big deal. But I feel like there's a, a definitely a consciousness shift where more and more people are tuning into. There's some level of monetizing me. The yogic teachings is if you just start sharing like very authentically your journey, if you will, people, if you're really into something, people will just want to hop on your journey for a bit. You know, like whether you're... Um, you know, my joke is always like, whether you're selling cinder blocks, right? Like if I sold cinder blocks, I would just learn everything about it and I would enjoy, I enjoy knowledge. So I would just enjoy knowing, like being able to answer every question about a cinder block. I'd probably be able to sell a lot because like, I, I don't have any love for cinder blocks, but <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm trying to think of like the most boring thing. No, me. but I, 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 dry I, yeah. cleaning. But, like, it like because I'll watch YouTube videos. I literally started, I, I went in a deep algorithm of chainsaw competitions. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what's happening in my life? And I just posted a wood chopping reels. And I was like, but then I found, like, in that algorithm, I found some people that make like great videos about wood. It's cool. Like, you know, we have a wood stove, so I'm learning about it, but I love watching them because this is what they live for. Yeah. is like wood, but I don't live for wood. It's fun part of my life now, but what I enjoy is being a part of that experience with someone, whether it's, it's wood, whether it's comedy, um whatever the case is whether it's a a piece of equipment or just a philosophy when someone like really if you just really embody it and share and you have to like get in touch with what is it that you really love yeah you know it may not be the actual item right like and I even put this in my prosperity book about doing things with excellence and how I used to sell vitamins and I knew that vitamins that's that wasn't like what I was born to do yeah, but I did okay at it because not financially because it didn't pay unless I started a <laughs> vitamin company. But like, I love learning. Yeah, and so I'm like, I'm gonna learn as much as I can. What is the difference of these different methylated forms of vitamin B, and what the hell does that mean? I want to be able to read the back and and know and know what this herb is for and that herb is for. People picked up on that, and I like became the vitamin guy, right? And I would like to be at Silver Lake. I worked closer to like, you know, Beverly Hills. If you know LA, those are like different areas. And I would like go to a shop or someone be like, oh, hey, you're the guy you helped me with that. You're the vitamin guy. And, um, but I get, so what I love is trying to do it excellently. And in a way that's all the stuff that led to me, well, it did lead to me meeting Gina. And I put that in my book. So I'm like, I knew my sort of life, soul, destiny, purpose wasn't vitamins like I didn't want to start a vitamin company um but I just did it while I was sorting everything else out and I still met my wife and the mother of my child and and so and people wanted to be a part of that experience so I just took me the work to realize oh I just love kind of being good or knowledgeable at something in the most humble way and I genuinely was interested in what I was doing and that went a long way but once i realized i started to share the thing that i deeply loved the most which is like esoteric wisdom and very yeah. niche i was like wow this is turning into a thing and it's just was my readings you know it started off it's just it was the one-on-ones and i never have advertised that i would meet with somebody and they were like oh wow and they would tell some people i'd start getting messages and it just grew and grew and grew and then one day someone's like you should just start an Instagram just start sharing some teachings she was like yeah. call it the mystical arts or something like that so I literally called it the mystical arts and like I, my first post I was trying to do like like a photo shoot of like a tarot card and some crystals and um but that consistency so I think like sharing what I love being consistent at it um the instagram you know when i had like 200 followers i would make a post and all of a sudden i get five emails for readings it wasn't because any of those people are even on instagram but i think you're telling the universe you're putting the energy out there and i feel like doing the work putting the energy there's like these spiritual dots that get connected um yeah. that so putting that led to someone in the ethers was like, oh, why don't you reach out to that guy? They did so I'm like sort of marketing in a different energetic level, if that makes sense. But doing, like showing up, doing the work and just getting better at monetizing, creating some structure. But it's like, those are the things where everything started to grow. And also I used to do a tarot card every single day on Instagram for four years, I never missed a day. And um, <clears throat> that consistency, I think, excuse me, <clears throat> that consistency like helped energy on an energetic level, not just like, oh, I built up some followers, you know, then my following just sort of plateaued because Instagram's highly rigged. And then right in 2020, I was like, hey guys, I'm yep. not sure that your bandana, the, the fiber structure is the same as a molecular structure of an invisible virus. Right. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, my story views are it used to be 2,000. Now it's like 300. Yeah. <laughs> is it directly that? I don't know. But even people I know in fashion, they don't even have a point of view. Um, like everything's just sort of gridlocked because it's out of your control so yeah. I, I, there's a comedian that I, I am inspired by I do like his comedy Tim Dylan, or I like his podcast he's super zany wild he really does bring in a point of view he's totally you know he's like nutty but what I like is he's created this whole thing outside of the system yeah and so he's like just that is what's inspiring and seeing more people do that so I just, like, took those cues, and then I realized, too, I was like, Gina, and I'm lucky because I work with my wife, now wife, but she's, you know, my girlfriend, we live together, Um, it was like, at the end of the day, we're just creating media, and it happens to be teachings and spiritual teachings, and I have a unique voice, you know, do I have millions of followers and all that? No, but it's, like people listen and need to realize it doesn't it takes probably a little less um like you don't need a million people to tune in to create <laughs> like a sustainable life off of these things but you do have to be consistent well, and
0: I think consistency builds confidence I mean that's what I've known at least and I feel like I'm very this journey I've been on has probably been a five year journey I feel like it's pivoting now like it's kind of like oh the journey to kind of get to the sense of self is now kind of done in a, in a way of like okay now i'm like stepping into the to the next thing so as much as i feel highly prepared for what's next it's also like a lot of the steps i'm taking right now like i'll take the step and then instantly i'm like oh no why did i do that because i'm like oh cuz you don't have any evidence that it works quote unquote you don't have any evidence yet of you have to step out in order to be seen. And then it's not stepping out once, it's stepping out consistently every day and working that muscle because you're exactly right, which is, it is that it's letting the universe know and it's also just creating those new habits. Oh, this is how I operate now. This is how I show up now. And it's that age old thing, right? Like if you start a new relationship with somebody, you're setting the boundaries of how you want to be treated. And so it's that same thing of how do you want people to show up to you, how do you want them to show up to your shows? How do you want them to show up to a coaching session with you? How Like you're showing the universe and other potential people who would wanna work with you that exact energy and what it is that you're putting out and what you hope to receive back. Um So that's been one of the best things that consistency has really begun to teach me, which is, yes, it's for building a business, but ultimately the business is me. And so the way for me to be my most, you know, fine-tuned instrument, if you will, is to show up consistently because it builds that sense of confidence within myself.
1: Yeah. Really well said too. And I didn't even, I mean, it's like, I'm aware of it, but I didn't think of it as much too, of like, you're honing you, like you're honing in and just being better at you. Like, um, and like performing, like you just get better at it. But I definitely, if I look back, like the first time I did an online workshop, which was pre-COVID, and I followed my gut instinct. I was like, Gina, we, we should start just doing some things online. Let's just see. And I was inspired because some people I know told me how much they made once off their, you know, online smoothie yoga workshop. Yep. And I was like, wait, that like, so I was like, all right, let's just try it out. Like it seems like a viable thing. And I I think it went really well. But like now, it's like oh, I'm better at doing all these things. Even things with readings, you're like, you just do it, and you, you're better at it. Um, but I, I really am fascinated that I think this time in the history, especially in the last five years, have been so amazing that if you have something that like you can, it, it's just I see so many people that turn their thing into the thing that's like. Like their career, but I think if you come at it where you're just trying to create be a career, like you know, how many people I know that want to be teachers and want to be kind of some level of influencer, right. um, you know, it, there's going to be somebody who can slick market their shit. They're going to have like a highly curated, like, you know, refinement culture to me, incredibly boring Instagram to make it right. 45,000 followers. Um, there's a lot of people like mediocre out there I've learned but I'm not I'm just like gonna keep running with my super neat like what I do is literally super esoteric like it's esoteric teachings but there's like a small niche of people want to view the world through these lens of hidden teachings and the deeper numerology I am excited though for prosperity because I just share some of the simple things I did from being suicidal so, like, you know, creating what I have now and knowing, re- rereading my book, I'm like, oh, it's time for me to put all these things into action again mm. to, to 10x where Gina and I are at now. But if you asked me a few years ago through numerology if I was going to support a family and buy a house and all this stuff, I'd be like, well, that's just not a thing. Yeah. You know? Like, it, well, doing comedy. And like, you're in media. Like... Gina and I are always like, when we saw you were like doing shows and you were in Chicago, we literally were like, how the hell, she has a kid, she as a kid. Like, how does, like, fuck, we're lazy fucks.
0: (laughs) Well, I also need to, I'm still working on, like, I think some of my overambition is still ego driven of like, we have to catch up for lost time or we have, you know, so those are things I'm still working on for myself. But I certainly would say, that I also think it's just that there's this huge, I think excitement to be back to who I am and feeling that it's worthy and I have something to teach and I have something to offer in the same way that everybody does, right? It's not like being like, let me adjust my crown. Like every, everyone does, but I think finally being in a place where I really believe it and honor that for myself and love that about myself, just feels so fucking good because for so long, I feel like I was like floating around just like drinking green juice, smoking too many cigarettes and just being like, well, I hope I fucking figure it out.
1: I, that, I think that the green juice problem of Los Angeles is, a, is oh. an under acknowledged problem.
0: <laughs> just all of it. I mean, yeah, it's like, well, I had all these jokes about being LA broke. Cause it's the people that are like, Oh, I'm so broke. But then I'd still spend like $21 at go get them tiger in the morning. It's like, you don't need a $14 piece of toast. You have no money. <laughs> like, what are you doing?
1: Um, um, yeah. You know? I've seen $26 like smoothies with add-ons of cordyceps and, you know, chlorella and you name it.
0: Yeah. And it's just like, this is, yeah, this is wellness. Well, I know well thanks to
1: LA, I think it's normal to spend $9 on some vegan chocolate bar because it's like hand harvested from the fucking Andes or something. Oh, 100%. Like, where did I, where did I normalize like that as like, that's a, that's an okay price.
0: Well, that's what I really realized when I go out to eat. I mean, obviously my parents are of a different generation, but like places that I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a moderately priced restaurant. My dad's like, this is, you know, $40 a plate or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, because I have only lived in big, you know, overly priced cities, overextending myself financially, which I'm grateful to say I don't do anymore. But you know, where it was like, oh, I had that was learned behavior for me too, where it was easy for me to judge them of being like, oh, you're so cheap. And then being like, or maybe I'm an idiot for spending this much money on, you know.
1: Yeah, like I know in LA, you're like get a coffee and a little, you know, foodie scone or something. And you're like, oh, it's 12 bucks. And then, but yeah, I go elsewhere. And then I'll still like, I'll get like two portados from Gina and I. And they're like, Oh, that's like four, $5, bucks, four fifty, 50 And I'm like, oh, sorry. Did you get the other? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Like, we were actually in Spain, which is kind of pretty overall, I found reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, it was like, it was, we got like two espressos and then they also gave you a little tapas. It was just like this quick little, just, there's all these places in Mallorca that are just cafes. They didn't even have names and it was like 150 euros which you know and this is a tourist place and i like sort of gasped for a minute she the woman was like oh my god she's like i'm i'm so sorry is that too much money and i was like no i i was like literally that shocked that like it's basically 2 us dollars um and it was like a spread like um and I, it just was funny because la will just brainwash you but the good news is everything else seems somewhat reasonable afterwards
0: yeah that's how you i know. that's always my takeaway where i'm like well now it feels like everything is well priced because i'm like oh well yeah i can do that you're an
1: idiot you've been trained to be just be a 100 100 100 um yeah. when gina bought a thing of Cut up mango, and she'd even look at the price at legendary one where it used to work. Uh-huh. It was like $14. I feel like we podcasted about this, but I was like, even in LA, I was like, all right, Shea, you're getting about half a mango here, and it wasn't even right. I was like, you know, keep just, it's good to be somewhat. Uh,
0: keep aware. your wits about you yeah i got
1: a lot better financially and like a little more organized without like being cheap but i'm like caught because i do all the shopping like grocery Mm -hmm. shopping for the house i kind of know what things cost things definitely cost way more yeah and vermont like a lot of things are less expensive but i noticed like i don't know where they're shipping these groceries in um but I noticed like everything is a little bit more like than LA, but I'm like glad at least when I used to Instacart. So I literally know prices of like every grocery item. I have a general idea of how much it should cost. Um, But it's, I don't know. LA was cool. I think that I just, I'm grateful. I feel like this is our next chapter. I think you're in, you know, a different like or the same chapter and going, you probably live in a place that you can maybe get Indian food delivered, and if that's the case, I'm very jealous,
0: yeah, the food the food here is subpar, a lot of processed food, so i'm I'm working on finding like my spots nearby where I can get something that does like i I'll when people are like, do you miss l a and I'm like, I do miss being able to like go into a spot at a club and know that there might be like a big drop-in from somebody like that's definitely exciting. I miss being able to go to Malibu for the day if I wanted. And I miss having health food available everywhere, even if it's overpriced, but it's, it's definitely a a change here where like, you know, having like being able to curate a Chipotle bowl is like the healthiest option you can find in a pinch. Like that's not great, but. (laughs)
1: well. Yeah, I mean, we have to, like, we just cook. We're we're at home. Like, our little town actually has some quality restaurants. There's nothing, well, there is a Burmese restaurant that's actually Mm. finally tried. And the owners, we're talking about UFOs and ancient sites in Vermont and numerology. And I'm like, I got his number. I'm like, oh, this is my homie now.
0: Like, this is my place, Um, yeah.
1: So there's like, there's some gems, but we've been lucky because we, literally get our food right from the farm yeah and i had no idea like even i'm going into whole foods and buying organic veggies and stuff i had no idea like those seem like death run over now yeah because now i'm like getting stuff from like a farm from the farmer that just came out of the earth and i couldn't believe like this stuff lasts forever because yeah. I realized, oh, by the time I'm getting it off the shelf in LA, it's made a journey. I'm mm-hmm. still thinking, oh, this was picked like two days ago, and um, so that's been the the food luxury here. You just have yeah. to know how to to cook and from everything from scratch, which fortunately I know how to cook. But Gina is learning.
0: Well, there you go. You guys can learn together. Well, really quick, I'm going to let you go. So. Well, I don't want to know, but I do have to. I
1: have
0: to deal with this. Yeah, post I, you got to go to the farm. You got to go to the post office. And the you farm, got. Literally. Yeah, you got all these places to go. So, you are a numerologist, and we'll. I'll link all of your patreons and the podcast and all of these places. We have a new year coming up. We're shifting into it's a seven year, and yes. is there anything in like five minutes that you can leave us? or things that you're doing for yourself to step into this new year and what that means.
1: Um, yeah, seven is really, it's, seven is just a wonderful energy and, it, and it's really the number of elevation um, and it's the number of prosperity. And so it's, it's it, seven conceptually as an energy field is a frequency that will uplift everything. It makes everything just a little bit nicer you know, an extreme, you can go full opulent with it. But I think at the end of the day, in it's most simple, true form, it's like, it's the energy that helps us make like life nicer for others Mm -hmm. and to help us make life nicer for ourselves. It really starts with an emotional imprint. And I think that emotional imprint leads to the upgrade. So it it will be a great year to sort of get a it's like a, a makeover almost. So, you know, mm. it you know, and it's funny because someone just emailed me this beautiful message how they 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 took something I was talking about, a little opulence, like upgrade something even small, like a toothbrush, you know, and they literally <laughs> bought new toothbrushes and a new set of silverware, mm. you know, and Maybe that maybe a, an expensive one for like a hundred bucks. I don't even know what they spent. Like, and all of a sudden they got this huge job offer, like career mm. changing, and that's sort of the seven energy. So where can you just dust some things off? Uh, and it there's a sweet and loving energy, and it's a time to. It's really going to be the year to upgrade, and I think for a lot of us this is a year that a lot of us have been waiting for um as far as this is the year to make your life a lot nicer like so what are the sweet things that you're going after it can be a romantic energy so this is a great year to um you know in in kabbalah seven is venus and that's going to be romantic um so if you're in a relationship it's just it's gonna you can this is a time to make it more tender you know sort of re-spark the romance if you've been married for a long time or whatever the case is yeah. um, and if you're single like it's a, it's a good year I mean you're gonna look it's it's a year to like look a little everyone's gonna look a little better are people gonna make ridiculous decisions and hook up with the, the, the <laughs> people that they thought they were in love with and buy some dumb shit because it was pretty yeah but, yeah. like, overall, unless you go super dark and weird, I feel like it's kind of harmless. Um, so be mindful. Like, that would be the negative trajectory. It's just being a little overly seduced by things that really aren't you. Um, but I think this is the time to, like, this is the upgrade, I think, that we need. And I think, like, the planet, I think people are still reeling from COVID. I don't mean, like, covid it's just the whole shift of the world and the insanity and like, however you feel about that, like that's why we left LA because there was just so much uncertainty and so much disconnect. And this would be the time to really get sweet on each other. And there's a a level of falling in love with everybody and everything um, that can be done in a really just healthy way. Um, but definitely go, you know, what can you upgrade? And that's within your means. And the deeper teaching of that energy is it's about your true self-worth. And so if you really value yourself, you're gonna get a raise Right. And you're also like just like we were talking about, oh, I'm getting better at just being me, and then sharing that, then sure, learning to monetize all that stuff, but this would be a year to do that. So um your inner influencer can shine but it's it's really about kindness and love and elevation like I love that Ball L love like you know it's just it, you're a little more charming with the world and you know it's like when you look good, you kind of feel good if you feel good you look good and, and so that's like that's the positive cycle I love that so I'm pretty psyched it's a gentler energy
0: well, and it feels, especially after the last couple of years too, and I've built a lot of work on each year, especially, I mean, I guess going from 2020 and all of like your teachings and, and the work and the energy to be worked with. And the same thing of this, you know, then we went into the five year and then it was like, okay, now, you know, into the six year. And the seven just really kind of feels like, hey, we've built a lot of the the work. Now, you know, that upgrade doesn't mean, okay, now I got to build a whole new house. But, you know, one of my favorite teachings from you, which is love the life you have and you will have a life you love. That's and- a big
1: quotes in my new book.
0: Is it really, it's my favorite goosebumps. It's always my favorite because it is that sense of gratitude. That's not like, you don't have to make a gratitude list every day. You don't have to sit in meditation for 48 hours and be great. Like just the simple, you know, like when my son, I just get so tired by the end of the day. And then I'm just like, I'm really grateful that he's so healthy that he can run around so much. It makes me exhausted. I'm really grateful (laughs) for that. And like, you know, And, and then just kind of move on. And so I'm really excited for this new energy and I'm really excited. I think that idea of like romancing, it's kind of like, I've still so much looked at my work as this thing that has to be accomplished rather than this thing that needs to like, it needs to be romanced a little bit. It needs to be teased a little bit, needs to be taken out to dinner and I think there's something much more playful to that energy that is welcoming. Like nobody wants to go on a date with somebody who's like, so do you want to get married? What do you think about this? Like,
1: yeah, Totally. And I just like what you just shared is a great lesson for me because I do apply a lot of ambition. And like, and now you're, I'm like, okay, well, how is my family? We got to get ahead, all of this stuff. And I need to just sometimes take a deep breath, relax and just be like, this is just all sweet and nice. So thank you for that reminder. I I think you and I are similarly ambitious and ideas and let's actually put it into action. And this is a time like let's also enjoy it all.
0: Well, and then I could go on for a whole other thing about enjoying the process and all of the lessons I'm learning from that. Okay. We'll have to do
1: part two and you can hop on my pod uh, at some point this year, beginning of the because I'd like to, a lot of what you said and the point of view, there's a lot I actually want to learn. So I'm going to, I'm going to, we should do that. And then this way I can get a, like a, a secret, learn some secret lessons here.
0: Yeah, I would absolutely be honored. Well, this was also an honor and just so much fun to, you know, just kind of also just share about life and where we are. I know, Gina, I'm letting him go. I uh you know just where you are and where you're going and so thank you so much for sharing that with me and then you know with everybody that's going to listen to this um so have the most fun at the farm and the post office and I love uh, the
1: post I'm grateful for the post office
0: I'm grateful for the post office and uh yeah I will talk to you so very soon
1: Rachel you rock we adore you we talk about you often oh good thanks for being an inspiration of like well, she's doing it and she was a kid and a kid on the way. I think we can. Our little lives. Yeah, it's,
0: it's really nice to have you guys as like, you know, kind of running partners, you know, where you can look over and go, OK, all right, we can keep, you know, keep going. And, and that's so important. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. But grateful uh,
1: for you, too. And we'll probably text later.
0: Yeah, I was like, I'll probably text you after this. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Thanks, Rachel. You're welcome. Bye. Soon. Bye.
0: I will. I will. All right. You guys, this has been the Rachel four show. Tune out. Tune in. Love you. Mean it.
1: I'm <laughs>